Welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Klug, joined, as always, by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. And, uh, boys, we've got some interesting pop culture things to talk about today, um, including – and I'll just, uh, I'll just jump right into this um, – the inevitable pairing of Kanye West and Donald Trump, uh, two very loud, polarizing figures, two figures who have used uh, social media to their advantage. And uh, Kanye was recently – uh, photographed hanging out with Trump in Trump Towers, taking pictures. Um, this, to me, sort of goes down into the category of least surprising thing ever. <laughs> um, what do you boys make of this? Um, I yeah, man. I it's really funny because if you if you go on any sort of like you know you know online like music sites that sort of like to talk a lot about indie rock, and then they kind of combine a lot of Kanye news within that. Like I'm thinking of Pitchfork and sites like yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, there it's just like it's just this constant like confusion, you know, plus outrage that Kanye would be seen with somebody like Trump. But I think what it shows is that Kanye just they, does what Kanye does, and he's Kanye kind does of what Kanye does. I mean, he is the he is like the he is like the punk rock dude of of the hip hop community, and he just doesn't care what anyone thinks. He absolutely doesn't care. So in dude, that way, it's kind of awesome. Baby, you know? correct me if I'm wrong though. It strikes me that like the Pitchfork guys all kind of like Kanye. Am I right about that? Yeah, because Pitchfork is weird. I mean, it's a you know, it's like uh, they they uh, in in the last. Well, I don't know. This might not be super accurate. In the last five years, they've really gone overboard, like on covering like, you know, a lot of different forms of hip hop, and they just yeah. love covering Kanye, you know. Yeah. And yeah. um, but obviously, the type guys though, like that that character type. Um, I yeah. seem like I feel like when I run around into guys like that around here, they they dig Kanye. Yeah, no, no. Kanye is yeah. Con, yeah I mean, you have to like Kanye. You know, you're. It, it's just an automatic thing that you're going to appreciate his yeah. art and his music. And you know, we've talked about that in, in mm-hmm. previous mm-hmm. Pro- podcasts. But again, like, but Kanye's. You know, everybody knows that Kanye is just a little off the trigger in terms of like things he says, things he does. So what you said at the beginning is so true. Like, there's nothing that makes more sense than Kanye Dude, it sort of like you know siding up with a Trumpy. You know, siding up with Trumpy. I think this is a classic case of they deserve each other. I mean, it's (laughs) it's just sort of, you know, in some cases, opposites attract. In other cases, they deserve each other. And it they are kind of perfect for each other. They they are the exact same person in in different realms in terms of like the there is no way to explain a whole bunch of what they say and their actions. And it's just, people are intrigued by them. They're entertaining and completely infuriating at the same time. They, Mm. they really are basically the same person. It makes total sense that despite everything Trump kind of is and stands for, you'd think it would be very opposed to all the things that Kanye stands for, but all they really stand for is personal success and power. As far as I can tell, which means that, it's they just respect that about the other one. They're like, oh, you, you and I, we are the same. I now, mean, do me- you think? Do you think Kanye? I mean, given what happened earlier in the year with Kanye's whole like, I need fifty million dollars to get out of debt. I mean, does this have anything to do with that? Him <laughs> kind of siding up with Trumpy like so that? So you think he was I mean, at Trump's house to like borrow money? I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to <laughs> he's, start a he's vicious just rumor. Him up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. I, I mean, you know, I mean, I would I would venture to say that he's going to be one of the few people like in the hip hop community that's going to feel any, uh, you know, affinity towards Trumpy. Right. Baby, I mean, let, I think let me the, give you a hypothetical. If you had to go hat in hand to someone's house to borrow money, 
Rachel the Held Evans. I'm gonna Sorry, give you three, go I'm gonna give you three options, man. Donald Trump, Creflo Dollar, or Joel Osteen. Whose house are you going to to borrow money and why? Um, I think you, I'm big R knowing that yeah. this is going to go public. It's going to yeah, go. Yeah, viral. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be pictures. Yeah. Um, gosh, man, you really put me in a tough one. I mean, I think this is what I'm going to do. Big T. I'm going to, I'm mm-hmm. going to go to Joel's house. All right. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to sit down with him. We're going to enjoy a, a beverage together. Okay. Um, may, maybe have, maybe have a little lunch and, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to preach the gospel to him, see how he responds and however he responds. I'm going to somehow fit in my year end sort of giving pitch to him and just see how that strikes him just out of the blue. You're you know? going to see if he wants to become a donor to substance church. Like, if I mean, right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, somebody's probably going to judge me on the heels of that, but um, you know, I'm booking my ticket right now to someplace in the Dallas Fort Worth area to see if I can get out there and do exactly what you're suggesting. Pipe, what about you, man? You got to borrow money from anybody. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you three different names. Though. I was gonna say, okay, yeah. go, yeah, that, that makes sense. Go. All right, Pipe. Your three names are Matty Chan, Matt Chandler. So you're getting on a plane to Houston, potentially. Oh, he's he's uh, in Dallas, but it's Dallas. Texas. Whatever, They're all the man. same. Big hats, whatever. big trucks, whatever. All right, so you're you're getting on a plane to go see Matty Chan or Steve Furtick. Uh huh. So Matty Chan, Steve Furtick, or John Piper. <laughs> okay, well, the answer to that is clear um, because uh, two of those guys take all of the money that could have made them rich, and they they like it just gets funneled straight into the ministry. And the other yeah. one is Stephen Furtick. So uh, I also I, I also uh, know that borrowing money from one's family uh, can yeah. lead to awkward holidays and and other True. tensions. So I think that would be something that I would avoid doing. Um, I I've seen how Matt Chandler dresses and yep. I, I doesn't look like he's just, uh, he's living a plush life. I'm sure he's very comfortable, but he looks oh, like yeah. he's, you know, he's like suburban wartime lifestyle. It's still Dude, he's not- suburban comfortable. They're doing the, yeah. they're doing the little Christmas update card with the matching like golf shirt and jeans on the beach. Yeah. I mean, you know, Maddie Chan, Maddie Chan's keeping you guessing. That's what he's doing. But, he's I mean, keeping he's, you guessing, but, but he's, he's certainly, there's nothing lavish about, about that life it is it's comfortable and dude maddie chan's dad did fine you know i mean there, there were there was some cash yeah. there but i, I uh, do wonder if uh i do wonder if furtick is house poor you know oh, because he, he built that big old house and you know that i mean where he lives the property taxes can't be that bad but I you feel to, like you go into the house and there's nothing but like leather jackets and like like necklaces you know what yeah, i mean he just I, he, strikes no me as, he strikes me as the kind of guy who maybe in like 15 years there's going to be a book about like author sells millions of copies and raises all this money from his church and you know is now broke and you know living in you know Dude, it'll be like a 30 for 30 about like yeah. bernie kozar you know yeah, it's kind of like the it's like a lotto situation where they make all they win the lotto and then like four years later all the money's gone that's yeah, I think, the furry yeah, story yeah it's like the, the 60 minute special about how all these lottery winners are now you know in financial straits and i think there was a 30 for 30 called broke about how athletes yeah. lose all their money and i and you know i suspect the same thing could happen to him and uh so i but I would still go straight to him because he strikes me as the type who might just pull out a roll of cash and be like, hey, I don't really know how much this is, but whatever it is, yeah. you're welcome to have it. <laughs> Dude, I literally guess, the roll of cash. And then, La- he, like, and then he would together offer, with a rubber band. Right, and then yeah. he would offer to sign it. You know, be like, you know, you want me to bless yeah. that, put a little holy water on it or something? Yeah. Wow. And then, I mean, I guess like the – Spontaneously baptize me. 
<laughs> the, ter- the terrifying thing is like, okay, so if I, okay, here's a hypothetical for you, Big T. Yeah. So if I go to Joel, right, and I'm and I'm trying to go undercover because I don't want anybody in our tribe to see me going to Joel and mm. begging for cash. Mm. But what if I go to Joel and I beg for cash and he actually gives me the cash? Like, like, what do I do if I get the cash? Uh, you named you- it and you claimed it. You just take that money and run. Wait, are you saying like what he what he preaches actually works if I go to him and take the cash? I think that's I mean, the, I think that's the only way it works. Wow. Maybe, so let, let me let, let me take the the illustration out a step further then. Let's say you get the cash. How mu- how much are we talking? I mean, let's just keep it like real. Let's just say, "Hey, Joel, here's the deal, man. I you know, I don't need a lot, but I need a cool, you know, 250K. I need a quarter of a mil to just get us Dude, to that quarter next mil. He's step. got that in his couch cushions, man. So That's I'm what told, I'm saying. It's not a big say, deal for him. I say, Ronnie, I want to bless you with a quarter mil. What are you doing with a quarter mil? Well, like, I mean – What are you buying with it? I, I mean, what does Ronnie maybe, Martin need that's a quarter million dollars? Well, I mean maybe I'm, maybe I'm going to maybe I'm gonna reinvest it in the ministry and we're going to get nah, some new baby, chairs. Not that, man. Not that. You know? That's not fun for the radio. Hey, you're saying you want you, you're saying you're making this personal. Like, what am I going to do with it personally? Yeah. Are you oh, starting Judas, a Tivana franchise? Dude, you're opening I mean, a Tivana. All right, right maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll open up a little Tivana franchise in Ashtown, and uh, I'll serve only Youthberry tea and Youthberry flavored coffee drinks. Like that. That'll be the only thing I do. Dude, I know right? your vision, man. You want to make Ashland into like the Columbus of. Of so okay, so for 250k, maybe I'll go beyond Tivana. Maybe I'll open up like a little, maybe I'll open up like a little, like you know, like like a little, like you know, kind of a little center where there's like three or four things like Tivana. Mm. So I've like Tivana and maybe like like a Starbucks and maybe so like two you're other. Gonna call, you're gonna call it like the Ashland City Market, and it's right? Good. Exactly. You're gonna exactly. open it up in like the the former meatpacking plant in town. Right. I'll call it like Market Square. Of, yeah, like little brick. You know, uh, cutouts and, and, and all that stuff. Yeah, Ashland, I'll call it like, uh, uh, you know, I'll call it like, you know, yeah, the market square for the city or, you know, market so. square for the city. <laughs> market square for the city urban. Yeah. Right, some, whatever. I don't know. Like, uh, right, right, whatever that, you just said. That will only work if you also get like some some local uh, people in, involved in gardening to sort of open up a vegetable co op in a, oh, in a dude, booth yes. there. You know, so well, like, no, that's a given. That's and, a urban and farming. So, and instead Huge. of, you know, so cucumbers are like nine ninety nine a piece or something like yeah. that. And uh, you probably need, um, let's see, what else needs to go in there? You probably need a. Handcrafted leather goods. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's sort of a given. That might be sort of a rotating thing because you yeah. know they they sort of come and go depending on stock and things like that. I'm just trying yeah. to think of like of, of markets and what what would. Uh, okay, guys, hang on, man. I, uh, I I'm going to need to up it now. I realize I don't. 250k is not enough. <laughs> that's I, not going to do. I'm no, gonna, no, no. I'm going to go. The thing. No, two, 250. You, you're not. You're not running these other things. You're leasing out that space. This is this is seed money to start. Dude, a you're just business. buying the meatpacking plant. Yeah. I know, but I'm afraid 250 isn't going to cut it. I, I need to have a little extra collateral in the back. I might ask him for five. I'm just going to be honest with you. Know you know what? You're there anyway. You're at the house. Why That's not? what I'm saying. I'm already there anyway. We're having lunch. You know, we're having some. We're having some youth berry together. I'm. I'm literally throwing out my vision for Tivana and my in, in my market square. I mean, why not just go for maybe 750 Big T? I know that's going to sound a little greedy to some of our listeners, but I, I might just roll with that. Well, I mean, you the, know? one of the number one rules of negotiation is that you always bid high because then. If, of I mean, course. If, if you want five, you ask for seven fifty, and then work your way down, and then he thinks he won, and uh, and you still came away with what you wanted. Although he doesn't strike me as a competitive type, so I don't know if that would Guys, really be the issue. I, I 
I mean, I'm already there. I mean, do you understand the implications of that? I'm already there. I'm already sitting with Joel. Why not just literally shoot the works and throw out six figures? Why? Why wouldn't I do that? I don't blame you, baby. You're preaching to the choir right now. I mean, I'm going to be on a plane next week heading for Dallas. Why not just do that? All right, boys, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a hypothetical for me who I who who you would want to see me most ask for money from. Okay, that was a convoluted sentence, but stay with me. All right. So you're going to give us names and we're selecting who you should go to. Yes. All right. Got it. And the reason I'm using these three names is that I'm I was doing some show prep before and I'm I'm looking for the I'm looking at the Twitter feed of uh, a certain someone whose name we use in the sign off of this program. And I'm looking at the names that are in that little side part that say you may also like. Nice. And I'm pulling the three names from this. Okay. Wow. I'm so confused. I have no idea what you might say right now, Big T. I know. I'm Here really, we go. I'm eagerly awaiting. Number one, Jonathan Merritt. <laughs> number two, Brian McLaren. <laughs> and number three, Shane Claiborne. Whose house would you prefer that I go to to ask for money? I don't know who the third one is, man. Can you educate oh, so, me on that? So Shane Claiborne, Claiborne is the guy is... who got rich like a decade ago living under a bridge for Jesus. He's, Remember yeah, this he's, guy? White... He's sort of a yeah, radical for Jesus, dreadlocks. White guy with uh, dreads. You know, he's white guy with dreads. That's all you got to know about the guy. Of, Dude, I literally don't know who that is. I feel in, I feel ashamed right now, but just, I don't even know who you're talking about. Justification by poverty kind of thing, which means that he's, he's off the list, by the way, because uh, if he, he has actually, no money, if he actually lives up to his own teaching, uh, he ought to be broke right now. So uh, Dude, why don't we just throw a bank, why don't we throw Frankie Chan in there as a third option, Big T, because that's a dude that has a lot of money but loves to give it away. All right, baby. All right, I'm down with a little Frankie. I mean, Chan. would you like to go to San Francisco and you know, baby, you know do a little business with Frankie? You'd you know I'd love to go to San Fran and conduct a little business with Frankie Chan. Wait a minute, Big T. Would that be because he is the most handsome? He's a very good looking gentleman. <laughs> Very there we go. I'm just going to stop right there. Yeah, stop, stop right there. there. <laughs> He's the most handsome preacher in San Francisco. Can we just say that, Big T? He's a preacher in San Francisco. We can say that. We can say he's uh, handsome. Pipe, whose house are you sending me to for money? Jonathan I, Merritt, Brian well, McLaren, Shane Claiborne. I would have maybe considered Merritt if he still lived in the Atlanta area, but since he moved to New York a year or two ago, I guarantee he's paying nine times as much as he ought to for rent of a tiny place. And He's uh, living at like 400 square feet, but it looks like an Ikea catalog and up he, in there. he writes for a living, which while yeah. when depicted on TV looks very lucrative, in reality, uh, not so much. So. True. I'm gonna go with uh, with a McLaren because wow, mm, because his books still sell. Uh, yeah, I do. I'm pretty sure he lives in the Midwest. He's also, I mean, he's like sixty something. So I yeah. think he's uh, he's likely to have established a bit more wealth. Maybe has you know, um, he would have deeper pockets. You know, Merritt's only like a year or two older than I am, so he's. He's a uh, he's an up and comer. He might get rich, but he's not there yet. So yeah, I think I think yeah, we're sending you. Rich. I think we're sending you to the uh, to the McLaren household. Dude, McLaren right. is the only kind of lead pipe lock in that group, man. I agree. I'm going to McLaren's house, and I'm probably leaving with you know thirty thousand dollars and a kimono. You know, <laughs> that guy's got he's got money to burn on Big T. What was his What was his big book, by the way, McLaren? Uh, new kind of Christian. Right. I don't know. That's they right. all run That's together right. in my mind. He wrote like four that have the exact same cover. And um, 
they, you know, all that emergent yeah. church gobbledygook. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Boys, speaking of emergent church gobbledygook, uh, this is a this is a really nice segue into our second topic. Um, Ron, you brought it to our attention during our production meeting that uh, there had been some tweeting going on between, uh, again, Rachel the Held Evans and Timmy K, our boy Tim Keller. Um, I don't know much about this because, again, I'm not on Twitter. Uh, I, I want you to you, – did you bring this up, Ron, or did, did, did Pipe? Oh, this was this – Yeah, was no, no, I found suggestion. it. Yeah, this was – Dude, so what's going on here, man? Our, our, uh, our RTHE is, is, uh, is going after Timmy K, man. Again, file this under the least, suppo- least surprising things in the world category. But uh, what's the nature of this beef, Ronnie? I don't know. Uh, so Timmy K just posts, you know, posts a nice, you know, you know, uh, you know, typically, you know, brainy, never thought of it that way, theological tweet like he usually does nine or ten times a day. Dude, Timmy and, uh, tweets are like they're like brainy fortune cookies. You know what I mean? Yeah, they really are. Yeah, they like really if you are. went to like a like a, a, a Chinese restaurant run by like theology PhDs, that would be the fortune cookie. You know what let I'm me, saying? Uh, yeah, well, let me read. He's the let me re- oh, sorry, Yoda. go ahead, Pipe. He's the Christian Yoda. He is. He is. Yeah, you're I right. Mean, I mean, technically, R.C. Sproul is the Christian Yoda, but Timmy K is right up there with him. But this is this is what he said. This was his quote, all right? He said, people <laughs> think a Christian is one who follows Christ's teaching and example, but Jesus is not primarily a teacher. He's a rescuer. So like we we all understand like like there's nothing super complicated about that tweet. We all get what he's saying. Like uh-huh. Jesus is more than a teacher. He's actually, you know, the, a redeemer. He's a rescuer, right? No yeah. big deal. So uh RHE gets on there and just seems to want to really break down everything he says. And one of her quotes here, one of her tweets back was I'm one of those crazy people who thinks a Christian is someone who follows Jesus. Uh Pipe. Yeah. What? <laughs> Redeem this for us, man. Guys, let's go to the third topic. I, no, no, no. I don't know. I, I mean, like, it It seems to me that one of two things is at play here. Uh, one of them strikes me as unlikely. The other one seems much more in the line of reality. The first is that she genuinely read this tweet and did not understand it. Okay. Yeah, that, so that, that's we agree. A, you know, no. I mean, that's a guess. That's a possibility. I would call into question, you know, the ability to understand what seems like fairly straightforward English because this is one of his less Yoda-like tweets. Mm-hmm. Um, the other option is that she she really doesn't want to understand what he's trying to say, mm. um, and is is just looking for a way to pick a fight with a conservative evangelical who's known to be reformed and complementarian. And uh, I, if I had to bet money, uh-huh. I'm betting on the latter one. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to bet that money that I got from, uh, from Stephen Furtick. I'm going to peel off some of those signed bills and put it right down on that one as my, as Dude, my, you're gonna, you got a lot of money it. right now. You're loaded right now with that. You're going to take cash. it to Vegas where they have a line on Rachel, the held Evans versus Timmy Keller yeah, fights. Yeah. What is, what is yeah I'm going to bet I'm going to bet the line on uh what is RTHE's motivation for taking on Tim Keller and I'm going to go with doesn't want to understand what he is saying in this tweet. And right. and, and then the odds of that however it's not there's not huge winnings on that because it's it's just slightly better than even because it's yeah. it's pretty much a push like it's I uh 
I don't know. I, I, I'm, and then I'm reading through the responses and like they get seemingly more redundant and uh, and like almost almost uh, juvenile because she just keeps repeating. <laughs> He's a teacher. They called him rabbi. Like all of these things. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, going back to Keller's tweet, like he just says, not primarily a teacher. He's a rescuer, which, by the way, reminds me of that awesome Disney movie with the little mice who rescue people. But um, it just I don't know. I got nothing Dude, you else. know, what, you know what this is for me, man, to keep in, in keeping with the Vegas and boxing analogy. Oh, good. That's, yeah, is, let's go that direction. Dude, this is like when when a when a used up Manny Pacquiao fought Floyd Mayweather. That's exactly Floyd, what I was thinking. Keep going. Floyd had to like <laughs> Ronnie. These are boxers. And Floyd had to like manufacture some some angst toward Pacquiao because he knew it would help the pay-per-view sales and all that. But everybody knew that Pacquiao was used up. And everybody knew that Floyd really didn't hate him because how can you hate Manny Pacquiao? That that's what this is to me. This 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 is a situation where if you are Rachel the Held Evans, it's good for business to be doing this sort of thing once in a while. And if you're Rachel the Held Evans, going after Tim Keller is what you do. And uh, this is as natural as 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 breathing. It's it's like Floyd promoting a fight, man. Um, what you do so is why do you is, think she? Go ahead, baby. Why do you Go think ahead. she? Why do you think she picked this though? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like this one. The I think that we're just a little baffled, not probably, because this is not was, like her. Well, she but was, why uh, this? She was tired of picking fights with uh, my dad. Like, <laughs> she's she sort of was running through her rolodex of like famous reformed guys who she's you know attacked their Twitter feed or taken issue with, and was like, you know, I haven't I haven't gone after Keller in a little while. I wonder what he's I wonder what he's put out there. Dude, do you oh, think, do you think she has a reminder on like her iPhone seven that says like oh December fourteenth, man, go after go after Keller. She's she's, like a she's just got him on a rotating basis, like, let's see. This is Keller right. week. All right, let's go. But you know right, what, right. guys? You know what's crazy to me is like I'm gonna put it out there right now. I mean it, it would be it would be more courageous for her to occasionally go after some C and D list gentlemen like like ourselves. So uh, Evans, want to? I mean, come after some of our tweets over the next few weeks, and we'll we'll do a little Merry Christmas, and it's going to be good, and we're we're going to all celebrate, you know, the birth of Christ together, and you know, I'm going to say something, and Piper's going to say something, and you're going to take it out of context, and we're going to go back and forth, like let like let's let's do something like that. Why only the A list guys? You know what I mean? Like, because I'm telling you, I'm feeling a little left out and a little lonely, right, Big T? I mean, why can't you? Baby, you're the ultimate businessman. You you are the Floyd Mayweather of this podcast, man. Because I, I I know what you're thinking. You're you're thinking you know we get a little promotional traction when uh, when when RTHE uh, you know comes comes after us online. Well, I mean, why not come after us? I mean, I'm not I'm not saying you know. I, obviously, Tim Keller has approximately four hundred ninety one thousand six hundred more uh, you know t- Twitter followers than I do, but like. Maybe she can lower herself to the little people every once in a while like us, and maybe we can have a little nice discussion, right, over a, over a Christmas bowl, as, uh, as uh, Ebenezer Scrooge liked to say. You know what I mean? Oh, let me be clear. I, mean, I don't, I don't want to have any discussion, but, uh, but, but maybe she'll come after you, baby. Maybe she'll come after you after you post one of your pleasant, like, holiday pictures. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah she, maybe she's she will. She's going to take umbrage with your, uh, you know, with your sweater or something. The question yeah. is, Ronnie, are you worth her time? Well, I'm not, but I but I'm asking what I'm saying right now, boys, and let me just say it really, really straight. Will she humble herself to come after me or Barnabas Piper? That's mm-hmm. what I'm asking. 
will she humble herself to do that? I, yeah. I could probably tweet some stuff that would get her to go after me. That is uh, – that is one of the least appealing things I can imagine doing on Twitter, however. But you think that's because she's gone after your pops and that would be just the next logical thing for her to do? Um, you know, she she and I, we've never met. We've never had a face-to-face conversation. We've interacted on Twitter a couple times. It's always been very pleasant. I, I never respond to her tweets. She mm-hmm. does not respond to mine. I think there was one time she responded and said, thank you for tweeting this, and I have no idea what it was about. Um... And and so there's just sort of a I wouldn't call it a truce because that assumes that she's paying much more attention to my Twitter feed than she probably is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's I think there is just sort of a an understanding of we are not going to go after one another on Twitter. And honestly, I hate Twitter fights. Twitter fights are the stupidest mm-hmm. thing in the world. And the moment I get pulled into one, I be like I need I feel like a complete idiot because yeah. what, what did I just do? Exactly. Well, don't fight. Maybe just have a maybe just have a nice Christmas dialogue with her pipe. Yes, I am Mister Nice Christmas Dialogue. You can, <laughs> you can just see it all over me. Maybe speaking of nice Christmas dialogues, man, can we uh, can we talk about the worst Christmas songs yes, ever? Please. This was uh, this is the third topic on our list, and uh, I'm segueing us into it. And uh, Ronnie, you are the resident Christmas expert on the program, so I'm going to let you go first. I have my opinions, pipe. I'm sure you have opinions. Um, in, in in recent years, I've increasingly uh, avoided the general public, so I do almost all of my shopping online, such that I never have to darken the door of a of a store where certain songs would be playing. But uh, Big R, I want to hear your worst Christmas songs, just uh, one or two that that strike that strike you as especially egregious. Yeah, I think number one on my list, like without question, would be Feliz Navidad. I mean, to oh, me, there's just there's just no question about that. I can't think of a song that feels less like Christmas than that song. That mm. actually feels less like music than that mm. song. If I need to get really serious, with what does it voice. feel like? What, what what kind of feeling does Feliz Navidad give you? It just what it feels like. I'm having a bad dream where somebody has locked me in a room like lined with sandpaper, and okay. somebody with fingernails is just scraping up and down it, and I can't escape. Like that's how bad that song is for me. So wow. Feliz Navidad would be at the top of my worst Christmas song list. And I think if I if I'm going to if I'm going to go to uh, my second choice, it would be uh, Mary Did You Know. Mm. That would be number two. Yeah. Performed, like performed by whoever. But pick, picking yeah. on Mary Did You Know is like hitting a kid with glasses. Like that's just that's that's almost too easy. And really. I, I never hear that song played. Now, granted, I go out of my way to not hear Christmas music, but no, you're right. It's not like a popular song, it, but it's a horrible, horrible song. That's all. Mm-hmm. It's just a horrible song. Th- yes, there's no denying that. But again, I feel like, I mean, you're not wrong for picking it, but it does feel like an exceptionally obvious choice. Well, I know, but the fact that the fact that I've never met anybody under 86 years old that likes it. Um, and again, that doesn't mean it's bad or good, right? So we're not going to do ageism here. But at the same time, it's like I, I've never really met anybody that's liked it. And usually, you know, songs don't have that universal of like a of a bad appeal to them. Because even when you get like if you want to get kitschy, right? So somebody's going to mention Last Christmas by Wham, which is like, yeah, but that's just become part of like, you know, 
America's Christmas consciousness. You know what I mean? Like that's that's one of those songs now that is just everybody acts like they hate it, but but they hear it and then it's stuck in their head. And they're not they're not really hating it that bad. It's just become one of cultures like classic Christmas pieces, whether you like it or not. But Mary, did you know it's like you're right, Piper. It's weird that you never hear it. But why don't you ever hear it? Because it's it's just strange because it stinks. Yeah, but you can say that about other songs that we still hear, you know, like like all I want, all I want, you know, in all I want at Christmas is you by Mariah Carey. Not a real classic piece of like pop excellence, but like you hear that thing all over the place again because it's Mariah Carey. Right. But it's just weird that you never that song, man. All right. Do you say forget everything I just said? You say you do like that one? No, I do. I kind of like it. You you own the Mariah Carey uh, Christmas album, don't you? Dude, probably. Yeah, I think I do. <laughs> I mean that that came out in a uh, that came out in a rather formative era in my life. Like you know, there's music that you you know objectively stinks, but yeah. since it came out when you were a certain age, you still kind of love it. Yeah. And that music came out during that era for me. So like, I have this, I have this response to the Mariah Carey Christmas that I'm like, this is this is terrible. But it feels yeah. like Christmas. Like I, I, right, I, I kind of like it because it came out then. I respect that. I Dude, respect I want to take this in a little different direction, man. I want to ask you guys. I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at the list of artists and song titles for this uh, this Christmas CD called "A Very Special Christmas," mm-hmm. um, which is a song that I hate that that uh, that I will always equate with like a like a mall, like a scummy yes. mall. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's, it is. Song. It is a depressing Christmas song because of oh, all of the horribly, connotations that go with it. Horribly depressing Christmas song. But my my question is this: I'm looking at these artists. I'm looking at these song titles. <laughs> Who's the most unlikely pop or rock star to do a Christmas song? You know what I'm saying? The the one that feels the least Christmas. Christmassy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like if Kurt Cobain had done one, he would be high on the list. Dude, right. There's some there's some doozies on here, man. I, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Yeah, but Cobain, that would have been like so kitschy and just ironic that everybody would have loved it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dude, so on this record, we've got uh, we've got Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band doing The Little Drummer Boy. Which is wow. my number one pick for worst Christmas song. That song is the worst. Any song that that is built around a non-lyric like Pum 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 is the <laughs> worst song. Not, not to mention the fact that, I mean, the premise of the song is absurd. You guys yeah. both have kids. You remember when they were infants. What would you do if a child of, say, 10 to 14 years old started banging on a drum in celebration of your infant's birth mm. while it was trying to sleep? I can't imagine you would be thrilled about that. No. Right. And imagine imagine that little drummer boy actually being a 65-year-old Bob Seeger who's like <laughs> who's been marinating in like scotch and marlboros for the past 50 years. Uh, nothing says Christmas like that. Yeah, nothing yeah, nothing says restraining order quite like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love Dude. it. Oh. Uh, boys, anything else to add on this well, worst Christmas songs uh, I, I want to hear who else is on there. Uh, okay, so Santa Claus is coming to town by the Pointer Sisters. All right, I can get there. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, a little Whitney Houston. Do you hear what I hear? See, I love Whitney as a vocalist, man. I can't, yeah. I can't ever. Oh, with Whitney. I mean, it, Whitney could sing almost anything, and I would nod and go, "Okay, uh, yeah." Yeah, Whitney could sing that. like her. She could sing like a grocery list, and it would sound amazing. 
Um, here's a, here's a funny one, man. Silent Night by Stevie Nicks. Mm, that See, makes sense. That yeah. that has sort of an offbeat appeal to it. And it's a little offbeat appeal. I'll give you that. Um, let's see what else we okay. So we got Madonna doing Santa Baby, which is kind of a slutty song anyway. So that one that one kind of works okay. Um, that makes that makes tons of sense. Dude, Run DMC has a track on here. That is the most unlikely. You just, yeah, Christmas that would be. You, just, you just selected the most unlikely. Yeah, yeah. Run DMC, Christmas in Hollies, which is not a song that I'm familiar with one way or the other. Um, let's see. We've got a little Bruce Springsteen, obviously. Springsteen is one of those – he's one of those acts that just appeals to everybody, but nobody really likes it. You know what I mean? I, I, I would not include myself in everyone. I can't stand Bruce Springsteen. You know what? I really can't either, so I'm glad you said that out loud, Pipe. Yeah, him, I feel like him, saying him you him like Bruce Beatles. Springsteen is just a thing that you have to say. You know what I mean? At least if you're a white American male, you're supposed to. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay, we got a little John Cougar Mellencamp on here. Um, Sting. Did you just which, like, did you like steal this album from your mom or something like that? Dude, no. I, I literally typed in A Very Special Christmas because I hate that song. <laughs> I put that into a Google search and it came – it. It listed out these tracks to 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 this uh, compilation record called "A Very Special Christmas." It's, it's, mm. It is special. Yeah, it's, there's it's, a couple artists on here I haven't heard of. There's not the uh, that awful Paul McCartney song "Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time" because that uh, that is my dude, number two choice for the worst. Uh, that's like somebody song. taking a hammer and hitting you in the temples with it over yeah. and over. That that's psychological torture. Like lock you in a room, put on strobe lights, and just play that on repeat. And I will yeah. fess up to anything, even if I didn't commit the crime. But I mean, pipe. Yeah. That's kind of like you. That's kind of like you hitting on Mary. Did you know? I mean, like that's something that like everyone claims they hate, but yet like it's just it literally is American Christmas. But you but, know what I mean? Unlike Mary, did you know? I hear it all the time. Like you go eat in a restaurant because it's Paul McCartney and they right. play yeah. it and then you go to the mall, which I try really hard not to do and they play it and you go to like a gas station and it's playing at the pump and like it's everywhere. You can't <laughs> escape it. Thankfully, Mary, did you know is at least like background terrible. Dude, let me, let me ask you one more question to take us out of the program. Um, how much do you think Paul McCartney hates himself for doing that song? 10 being, think- 10 being like horrible self-loathing, one being you know, no big deal. I don't I think would Paul stay, McCartney hates himself yeah. for anything. I'm pretty sure he's greatly in love with himself. <laughs> Interesting. I'm Interesting. sure Paul McCartney loves the continued, uh, you know, royalties that comes in from that song on a yearly basis. That's, That's what I would think. And I know for a fact that Mark Lowry feels the same way about Mary. Did you know? Because while we never hear it on the radio, it is still, uh, it is still part of. Many, many church pro- programs, what are they called? The cantatas and the like. So mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. still getting the residuals on that, and I think he's uh, he has a very Merry Christmas um, all every year, year after year, because that thing still goes. Now, Big R, you're a musician. Um, last question. Yeah. If you had the option to write a really crappy Christmas song, like famously crappy, on yeah. the level of, of the songs that we've been discussing. I actually did, but it just never got famous, but continue. But but if there would be the guarantee that it would deliver a million bucks a year. But but the thing is, there's no artistic value. So there's no like even little like yeah. uh, shot of like hipster self uh, aggrandizement that could come with this. It's yeah. just a piece of crap, man. Just a turd of a song. Yeah. If you could write that song and be guaranteed to make a million bucks a year in perpetuity, would you write it? 
No question. Okay. It's already written. Good, baby. Well, it's I mean, already it's, written, and I, I just received my first royalty check. That's Yeah, that's like asking you, Ted, would you write like a uh, – you know, like a chicken soup for the soul or something that was like <laughs> just genuinely one of your least favorite kinds of books that you thought was just total garbage. Uh, yeah. If it was guaranteed to sell like one and a half million copies mm. and mm. would you put your name on it? And uh, I'm going to go ahead and guess that your, your artistic um, standards <laughs> could be set aside for, for the greater good. Yeah. But see, that's good. different though, man. That's different because here's the thing you could write. I mean, you could write just a completely irrelevant Christmas song. And by irrelevant, we mean, you know, lyrically, it's just talking about, you know, Santa and Holly and Christmas trees and candy canes. But yeah. like the melody could be catchy. It could be a really well-written song. It has no meaning. It has no depth to it, but it's a good, catchy, sticks-in-your-head kind of a tune that, that you know, makes, makes Christmas good for the entire family. And like I, I, I don't think – I think that's okay. I'm good with that. I don't think that's like that you wouldn't be good with me writing like a, a cheesy chicken soup for the writer's soul kind of thing. Well, no, I'm just speaking. At, I'm just speaking of it from a musical side, whereas I could I could do that. He's and trying not to justify the decision, even though it's not an option for him. Yeah, well, no, I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't be embarrassed by that at all. I, would, I really wouldn't care because it's not supposed to be anything more than what it is, which is just a catchy little Christmas song. Yeah, except that you don't have the you don't have the space to give that like 20 minute disclaimer every time somebody hears your your trash song at a mall. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but, but I, but I don't think they're thinking of it to be anything more than that. You know that's what I mean? True. That's you know true. what I mean? And but I think, I think with, I think with music, you can get away with that more than if you write something, because I think there's, I think by writing something, you're, you're putting a little bit more of a, of a weight on it because people write, people write cheesy pop songs all the time in, in sort of the, in the spirit of it being a cheesy pop song. And that's okay. True. You know, but like, with right, I guess people do that with writing too, but it's harder to, you know, what I mean, it's harder to, it'd be harder to break that down if you did that with something you wrote, right? Dude, I'd write bonnet fiction. I would write a frontier romance novel, and I, I would, I would like Big R. You mean? Yeah, sure. Oh, dude, yeah, I'd, I'd do that. I'd do that in a heartbeat. I'd do that for fun, if I knew it would, if it would, would kick out that kind of cachiche. Yeah, absolutely. I'll let you guys know how it goes with mine, and then we can talk about it for reals next well, year. Well, since, uh, since Ted came up with the idea, I think you, you owe him some of those residuals. I mean, it's a million dollars a year. I'm sure you can throw him, you know, a half a percent point or something like that. I'd yeah, like I'll, give points, I'll give you a I'd point. I'll give you a point. I like producing credit, you know, yeah, in the liner notes. I, I want to be on as a producer, but, you know, absolutely. Okay. Uh, we can have our people hammer that out off the air. Absolutely. Boys, this has been uh, this has been a fun app. We've wandered to and fro as we often do throughout the show. And until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. Life Audio presents Bridges with Monica Schmelter. That we have an enduring hope that can't be taken away when we are in Christ. And to know that we have that, right? And eternal salvation, because this world can be so busy and so dark that we can forget that, right? Because right? sometimes I get caught in the trappings of what's going on in my life this moment. And while I have to recognize that, that's not it. Continue listening on lifeaudio.com or wherever you find your podcast.